You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Faith in Jesus that is not aligned with social justice in its many expressions or or with its many communities, uh, especially the communities that are being harmed. It's not the kind of faith that we encounter in the Jesus story. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 338, and our title is Saltless Salt and Social Justice. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. When people harvested salt from the ancient salt water, they would gather the rocks of salt along with various and sundry other white-colored rocks and place them in a cloth to use during cooking. And over time, the salt would dissolve through the cloth and only the non-soluble rocks would remain. Eventually, the salt sack uh, would lose its saltiness and be good for nothing more than common road gravel. What does it mean for those who claim to be Jesus followers to lose their salt? Jesus' social teachings, remember, grew out of the soil of his own Jewish prophetic justice tradition. The Hebrew prophets, they help us understand Jesus' teachings, and, and reading them should result in us placing social justice work at the center of following Jesus. Certain sectors of Christianity have a long history, though, of ignoring or domesticating or sanitizing, censuring, editing, even marginalizing Jesus's teachings related to justice work from their faith. But justice work is not tangential for the Jesus follower. When we see Jesus, not within the elite establishment, but in the margins of his own society and in the justice tradition of the ancient Hebrew prophets, we can recognize insight after insight in the Jesus story still relevant to us today. The Hebrew prophets, they called for the end of injustice, the end of oppression, the end of violence. In the here and in the now, they called for the end of of predatory exploitation. Isaiah's wolf would lay down with the lamb. Remember in Isaiah 11, 6, where it reads, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. In Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And Amos, uh, justice would roll down like a river. And Amos 5, 24, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. And for Ezekiel, the Dead Sea would become a place bearing fruit 
that would heal the nations. Ezekiel 47, 8 through 12, he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, which it, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty waters there become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. The material things that we need to thrive, they would flow out to each of us in in distributively just ways. This is an amazing imagery where the Dead Sea is made to be life-giving again, where life, this river of life, it overcomes death, as we've been talking about uh, uh, so often the last few weeks. A society of death and death-dealing it would become life-giving. Abraham Heschel uh, wrote of the prophet's hope. This is in his book, Between God and Man, page 240. He, He wrote, what saved the prophets from despair was their messianic vision and the idea of man's capacity for repentance. History is not a blind alley and guilt is not an abyss. There is always a way that leads out of guilt. The prophet is a person who, living in dismay, has the power to transcend his dismay. Over all the darkness of experience hovers the vision of a different day. And not only does this definition fit Jesus and how he related to, to marginalized people in his own society, but we're called to do the same as well. We can make this world give way to, to a more life-giving one. We can change our systems. The, the Jesus of the gospel, remember, he isn't a priest or a ruler or a member of the community's elite. He emerges in the story on the margins of his society as a prophet of the poor, a prophet of the marginalized, the oppressed, the excluded. And what does this mean for us as Jesus followers today? The prophets weren't afraid to get their hands dirty with the material mess of our world's injustice. They weren't uh, 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 afraid to get involved politically even. They spoke truth to those in power, economically, politically, and religiously. They had social concerns, not just religious concerns. They had religious concerns, but their their, their concerns were also uh, political. They called attention, uh, the attention of those who, who, who heard their voices, to a God of the poor, a God of the widow, a God of the orphan, and those who had been deemed other. They called for personal righteousness and for social or systemic justice. Their inward contemplative practices empowered them to march onto the public scene as advocates for those harmed in their society. And for them, social justice was what God's love looked like in public. It reminds me of Isaiah 1, 12 through 17, uh, where it reads, when you come to appear before me, 
Who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon feasts, your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Isaiah could just as easily be speaking to Christians today who prioritize their religious practice, but they neglect or omit the work of transforming our society into a just, safe, compassionate home for everyone. Challenging LGBTQ discrimination, challenging white supremacy, challenging the patriarchy, or challenging exploitative uh, forms of capitalism that places profit above people is not on the plate of these kinds of Christians. They give much attention they give much time. They even give great detail to their religious observances, though. But these other things, they just don't make room for. I'm reminded of how Luke's Jesus calls out misplaced priorities and attention in Luke 11:42, where it says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, of your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. The prophetic book of Micah, too, has the same emphasis. Micah 6.8, He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those who seek to follow the teachings of Jesus today, they, like the Hebrew prophets, they must find their own hearts beating for justice for the oppressed and mercy rather than sacrifice for the exploited. Their heart for justice and, and mercy must express itself daily through, through humble love that's learned to listen to the cries of the oppressed. As the prophets called for our world to be put right, we too can learn how to authentically listen, uh, listen to and, and, and live in the way of justice, mercy, compassion, and taking action. Faith in Jesus that is not aligned with social justice in its many expressions or, or, or with its many communities, uh, especially the communities that are being harmed, it's not the kind of faith that we encounter in the Jesus story. I look forward to the day. When, when Jesus' followers are known for ministering justice to, to the poor, uh, those overwhelmed with grief of loss, and they stand with the beaten down and those that are hungering and thirsting for, for things to be put right. These are the people Jesus spoke about in Matthew 5, 3 through 6. What group of people are on your heart this week? Let's be salt that hasn't lost its saltiness. Heart group application this week, 
We at Renewed Heart Ministries, we are continuing to ask all heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Again, uh, please stay virtually connected. Uh, you, uh, we're running a couple heart groups via Zoom. Uh, and when you do go out, remember uh, to practice distancing between yourself and others. Make sure you wear your mask and continue washing your hands to stop the spread of this virus. Uh, this is also a time, remember where in the Jesus story, we find uh, the principles, the values of resource sharing and mutual aid. We can practice those right now within our heart groups and make sure that others in your group, that they have what they need. This is a time that we can work together and prioritize protecting those among us who are the most vulnerable. Think of how many ways you can come up with during this time, even though we're physically apart, to keep taking care of one another. Number one this week, share something with your heart group that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode. Number two, in Saving Paradise, how Christianity traded love of this world for crucifixion and empire, uh, uh, Brock and Parker, they remind us of these words. They, they remind us the work of justice requires paying attention to how difference is used to justify oppression. It employs astute awareness of how oppressive systems grant privilege and seek to protect it at all costs. It engages those who have privilege in challenging systems from which they benefit, not just helping those less fortunate. This week, I want you to discuss the differences between systemic justice work and charity. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for all? Now discuss that with your group and then pick something from your discussion to begin putting into practice this upcoming week. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.